hanging out with uh, Derek, Derek's wife. Derek's wife's talking about his Yahoo. Normal day here at Theo Bourbon. Welcome back to the show. Well, welcome everyone back to the oh what the crap they're doing this podcast again. It's been six months and we haven't heard anything from them. I thought they were done. Um, we said last time we'd be back and turns out we, we weren't lying. All of those things we said are still in fact true. Derek just uh, gave birth. Yeah, well, my wife gave birth. Yeah, Derek, uh, Derek push, pushed the baby out of his little peen. He did it. We're proud of him. <laughs> Anyways, we're, we're back. Tell, tell us more about being back. What's up now? How are we doing? Oh, we're doing great. She's six months old. She's amazing. She's cute. She is currently trying to take a nap. She's doing her but, best. Uh, sometimes those things don't work out the way that mom and dad want them to. And, you know, uh, she just sits in her crib and, uh, you know. Just lays there and whines, or lays there and laughs, or lays there and you know, just kind of, kind of just lays there. So, <laughs> she is the absolute cutest. Oh, I love her so much. Fantastic baby. I don't know you, if you, you can great. hear you her in the mic. Can you hear? You lose me. No. Can I you hear? Uh, I, I, yeah, I can hear her in the background. I, I feel like that'll get. I feel like that'll be picked up on the podcast. You can hear her. She's she's a guest. Yeah, she's a guest speaker now. She's part of this. Good, love that. She's yeah. She's a our, our new third co-host. <laughs> also, my cat has has figured out. This is unrelated to anything. I just think it's adorable. My cat has figured out that if he throws himself <laughs> on the floor in front of me, I will pick him up every time. So he's been like violently throwing himself nice. on the floor to be like, "Hey, come pick me up." It's it's nice. It's a it's a cute thing that he does. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, my cat is currently getting uh, tripped up in all of the wires of my mic and earphones. Oh, and good. Not leaving me alone. Classic, so, uh, classic cat Sammy. stuff. Love it. Come on, Sammy. Oh. <coughs> well, anyway, welcome back, everyone. That's <laughs> so loud. <laughs> Sorry. What's happening? We're back. We're back. We are back. You're back. Um. Well, we. Uh, as as you can tell, we're a little rusty. Um, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a minute, um, but things are going well, and uh, things have have happened. Obviously, um, we we want to take a minute to say that we are um, praying, thinking, um, and hoping and grieving for the people of. Um, Uvalde and is that that's how is it Uvalde Uvalde I've heard different ways of I've, pronouncing I've it, heard but, Uvalde uh, the most Uvalde uh, but I mean yeah. I don't think I've ever heard someone who's from there say it so who's to say right so um, we're we are certainly thinking of them and um, praying for them and holding space um, this week at, at my church we're gonna have a um, just a time of lament and. Um, it's a, it, it's been hard for me and Miranda, especially just with, um, we we're trying to decide if it's even worth, you know, sending our daughter to public school, yeah. um, just because of all of that. So I can't even imagine. Um, but anyway, um, just wanted to say that out, out, out front, but, 
Um, for us today, even even just kind of in light of that, um, Tom, we've we've been texting back and forth. Yeah. Um, about kind of what we wanted to talk about, and one of the many things happening is that me and you have certainly gone down some some different paths of thinking about things, trying to um, not explain things and letting that be okay. Um, even kind of holding the things are unexplainable, not that we don't need to ask the questions, but that if we come to an answer that we can't really decide, then, you know, that's okay. And we can just kind of look at it and say, you know what, we're not going to, we're going to not think about that one, or we're going to not try to put a nice little bow on top of it and being okay with that. Um, so, so what have you what have you been kind of thinking about in the past, you know, um, six months? This is a this is a weird intro uh, for this, but I I promise it's going somewhere. Derek, have you seen everything everywhere all at once yet? I have not, but I want to. So okay, then I'll be careful not to spoil anything. But there's a concept of, and it's awesome, um, the everything bagel. It, it, it's it's a character who basically she gains near omnipotence, and just because she she's bored, she decides to put everything, literally everything, onto a bagel, uh, and it's supposed what? to be like this image of everything in the universe, literally all yeah everything everywhere all at once, all all at the same time on the bagel, on the everything bagel, and it's played for laughs, but it's also like it's it's meant to symbolize like what do we do when we get everything together and nothing still makes sense. Uh, uh-huh. What happens when we get the full perspective, we see everything, and instead of seeing um, a beautiful story, instead of seeing the tapestry that we were all told, instead of seeing the, the, yeah, the, the beautiful story we were told that God um, is making out of everything, that he's making all, all things new, and yet, I mean, sometimes it seems like you have to get the full picture, you look at things, and you're like, this is still a crock of horse shit. Like, this is not good. This is a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is no more context that could ever make this okay. Um, yeah. I and mean, what do you do with that? And right. at, at least, at least for me, um, I, I definitely have been walking down. So uh, I, I was talking about this exact same thing on um, the hopefully wandering podcast. That episode will be dropping sometime late June. Uh-huh. So uh, I'm excited to go, listen to that. Yeah. Go, uh, yeah, go, go give them a follow. Hopefully wandering podcast. They're way better at posting than we are. Uh, and they've also got some pretty, oh, yeah. pretty awesome content. They got some cool guests, and they got a lot of cool stuff coming up. And they're also really awesome. Mm-hmm. Got a great back That's catalog. Awesome. There's also a really awesome episode on purity culture that just rocks. I would recommend checking that out immediately. Nice. If you're listening to us, you'll also like that. But nice. Uh, anyways, uh, I digress. But one thing we were talking about was it's like wh- like what do you what do you do with everything? And I guess for me, I have just kind of been in a place of both embracing and rejecting theism at the same time like edit right there i gotta go feed my kid i don't know i don't know but y'all dude that was such a good point go and give that kid some food i'm gonna drink some bourbon by the way i'm not sure if derek's drinking right now i mean he might just be having a kid but i don't know i don't know about you all but i'm i'm drinking some some maker's mark right now it is it's become my favorite i used to be like an evan williams i was kind of in that world for a while but you know, I just kind of got sick of rye flavor, and now I like things that are nice to me and don't make me hurt inside. And Maker's Mark does not hurt me. 
uh, and it's always nice to me. So I'm currently drinking some of that. But we're going to be discussing what does it mean to be uh, a Christian and kind of tentative about what theism is. Because what's so funny is that, I don't know, uh, you, you can read stories about Jesus and they're way easier to swallow than talking about an all-powerful God. Um, the, the God who dies, the God who bleeds and gives up his life is a, is a way easier concept, at least for me, to understand and to empathize with than an all-powerful God who doesn't fix things. Um, th- that's a lot of trust to put in a deity that they're good and allow all kinds of horrible things to happen. I mean, it seems like every, every week on the news, we get a brand new story about awful things that are happening. And Jesus in, in a world like this makes sense. Uh, a deity who loves us and suffers with us, great. But as soon as we're adding omnipotence uh, and of, with, into that, I think we can even have omnipresence, but if we add, as soon as we add omnipotence into that, I don't know about you, but I don't know what to do with that. So, yeah, we're, we're going to discuss uh, that. Just hearing, hearing the last bit of that, um, first of all, when you have a baby, if you have a baby, um, whether that be naturally adopted and sort of uh, whatever it's called. Um, in vitro? In vitro. Yeah. Um, there's one thing that will always happen, and that's when do I pick up my crying baby? Are they crying because they're annoyed? Are they crying because they're hungry? Are they crying because they're mad? Are they crying because they're sad? Are they crying because they are trying to fall asleep, but then you make the mistake of picking them up when they're about to fall asleep? Right then and there, my baby cried for about two minutes. We thought she was hungry. But then as soon as I got up to go feed her, she stopped crying. And now she's asleep. Oh, the sleeping baby. uh, Sleeping baby, so. And this is usually her two-hour nap, um, so hopefully um, she will she will sleep and we'll get to talk. If not, I'll just say, edit, and then I'll get up and run to her, so. Yeah, I just went on a monologue that was like uh, kind of everything we were talking about and everything that I was saying to you, mm-hmm. so they are, they are now briefed on it. Uh, I don't nice. know if it was good or if it was bad, but it was a monologue, so. <laughs> oh, you know, the age-old question, uh, to quote the what some would say was an atrocity and what some would say was a revelation, um, Lex Luthor from Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> if, <laughs> if God is all good, he cannot be all powerful, and if God is not all powerful, or if God is all powerful, he cannot be all good. But... Um, that's an age-old question, really. And, um, you know, I think that omnipotence, that omnipotence thing is a hard one for me to to grasp as far as, like, the unknowable, the ineffable, the mysterious God thing, like... I think in order for us to make ourselves feel better about things, we we said omnipotence, and that means like having the power to do anything that you want, mm-hmm. or having the power to do, you know, having unlimited access or unlimited ability to do something. And but 
I think that that has to cross into God's character because to say that God is love, God is omnipresent, God is omnipotent, but, you know, this theological concept of, like, God cannot be around sin, well, then that means that God is not omnipresent. And then you have the, well, if he is, then God causes this sin, and therefore he is in it. And then it's like, or God causes this evil, or God causes whatever. Um, But then that takes away the character of God as love, because it's like, there's this whole concept of God has two wills. It's the will that he wants and then the will that he that he does. And I just think that's the dumbest thing that I've ever heard in my life. Because if God was omnipotent, or, um, yeah, omnipotent, then he could do whatever he wants. And so why would he not, you know, just take away all the sins of the world, which through Jesus, yes, but why couldn't he do that without death or without blood yeah. sacrifice or without, you know, needing to satiate this thing that is a God above God, which is justice or which is sacrifice or which is whatever. Um, because somehow an omnipresent, omnipotent, omni, whatever the other one is, um, because God, that God somehow needs an evil thing in order to be a good thing. That's just dumb to me. Yeah, like, the, that that God is no longer all good. But that being said, like, the, the way that, and I just want to first acknowledge, the way that, I know you know this is true, the way that most evangelicals get around yeah. this, um, and honestly, most people who are very dogmatic in their faith, they kind of get around this in a sneaky way. They say, don't use a human definition of good to define God. So then it becomes anything right. God does is by default good. And you can even go and, and walk into a church and they can just say that. People are nodding their heads like, yes, yes. But mm-hmm. it's like the issue is if you just say that, that means God can just do bad things. And his followers will be like, yep, that's good. It's like, that's complete. Right. That's complete awful. That's no, that's, <laughs> you know, like if, <laughs> the, the God has to be. I, I mean, I at least think that if we are going to accept that God, that God if, if if a monotheistic God in Christianity is in fact all good, then that God would have to be constrained by some objective definition of good. And even if that's not constrained, yeah. it's just like that would be a willful thing. That that's that is God that's God's will right. for himself to not do really bad things. And yet God also does genocides and stuff. So it's like, I don't know how we can define good. And and also call call God all good by any definition. I don't know. That that's that's like the issue with it. And there's no real fix for this. Like, uh, there's there's no way to just yeah. make this all work. So I, I guess that kind of brings into like leads into what we we're saying at first. It's like I think it's better to not know. I think it's better to doubt. It's better to question and be fully honest than to completely have an answer. Because mm-hmm. like I've kind of gone to this place right. where it's like. I don't think I really believe in that God, and yet there's still something about Christianity that I still love and I'm still all about. But like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I just, I just, like, I look at that and I can't make it make sense. I've been trying to make it make sense right. for two decades, and I've got nothing to say. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I and you know me. I'm gonna go to my my good old David Bentley Hart here. You do love your but, David uh, Bentley Hart. He's he's so. 
there are so many people that just absolutely hate his guts because he's one of those things where it's like he is like your your typical theologian from back in the day when they just weren't afraid to hold back calling people idiots for believing things that are stupid. Yeah. That's who he is. <laughs> and so, but it's just because he knows that he's one of the smartest people alive. We love that. Um, and he knows that he's one of the smartest people alive, which, you know, it can can be to a fault. But one of the things that he says is that if if God would, and I'm paraphrasing, basically if God would reveal himself to humans and not let human concepts or human abilities to understand things, if he would reveal himself in a way that humans couldn't understand, that's that doesn't that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So like if God calls himself good or God says something is good and says that in a revealing way, then that must mean that who he reveals himself to can understand that meaning. And so hmm. just common sense wise, if God says something is good, then it must be good for us as well. And so that means like when we say God is good, that can only mean good, which means we know what good is as well. And so I think just – and it, people use that verse out of context, which is like God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Um, reading that in context, that's not what it means, what everyone else says. Um, you know, like when me and my wife had our miscarriage and, you know, some people were tempted to say that God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are, God, are higher than our thoughts. God has a plan. He killed your baby for a reason. Hmm. That just doesn't – it doesn't add up to what – I or really anyone should understand as good or right or loving or what Paul says, you know, think on things that are worthy of praise, think on things that are good, right, noble, blah, blah, blah. Those are the things that mean good in the actions of God. So when you try to put this amorphous... I think... Part part of the issue on that is just like what whatever is I mean, look let's look at the word noble. Like the concept of what is noble, what is something that a person who has nobility would do, is so culturally defined that um and, yep. and it does change from culture to culture. How do we yeah, how how do we how do we place that moral definition on something? Um do you have, have you ever read Nietzsche by any chance? I have no various, you know, um Various quotes and stuff, but I've never actually like taken the time to read yeah. specific things by him. But I know who he is and what he thought. But so one of his one of his concepts, uh, because he, I mean, obviously he's Western philosopher, so he liked talking about uh, Christianity a lot, as does everybody, really. Yep. Um, but he he would talk about one of the issues with Christianity, one of the reasons why it fundamentally, um, like he's like you he say, it's fundamental flaw as a religion mm -hmm. is that it was a religion made up by oppressed people, made up by slaves, made up by people who uh, were not in power mm -hmm. um, and basically made all of their own struggles a moral good. Uh, they said uh. it, 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 that it was good to go through all these things. However, at the time of Constantine, 
all those ethics were adopted by the oppressive class. Yeah. So now they had to somehow justify how can we still be good even though we are the ones oppressing people. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a, since then, Christianity uh, has had cognitive dissonance at the core of it whenever it is not practiced by oppressed people groups. That the only mm. true Christian, like the only people who are falling in line with what Christianity was intended to be are those who are like liberation theology, are those who are currently being actively oppressed because that's who the people who are who kind of invented the ethics of Christianity. Wow. Um, so, so, all, so all that to say, um, when we talk about like whatever is good, whatever is true, and I really like that as a, a cursory like statement into what is goodness, what is what do we do with this problem? Um, I, I think what, where you run into is that who who's the one saying what is noble? Are mm-hmm. is, is it literal nobles who have to go and extract taxes from people <laughs> and imprison poor people when they don't have enough money, or are it those poor? Or is it the poor people themselves who are um, work in the fields, the serfs? You know, what I mean, like, are right. they the noble ones? Who who is the who is the nobility here? Because we have two distinct groups reading the same text. And putting a completely different cultural lens on it, even in the mm-hmm. same time, even in the same culture, yeah. Uh, and and that's, I guess, not not really an issue I run into. I'm like I'm arguing against it. Um, it's just like, what do we do with all of this? What do we do? Because um, I don't know if I don't, I don't know if you see what I see, but what I see in a lot of modern Christianity is that the uh, that oppressor group always tends to win out unless the group is homogeneously pro-liberation um Mm. if if you if you don't have a church if you don't have a movement that is focused on liberation it's not going to happen at all and the oppressors are going to win because they can use piety to keep you silent and they can use um you know not making too much noise not making too much um of a splash uh Mm -hmm. to speak up so and that's kind of what I've been running into because, oh, yeah, that. So I, I learned about that Nietzsche stuff this past summer, and it's been, it, it yeah. literally, it's been a year since I first learned about it. And I, it's just been right. resonating with me ever since. So go for it. Yeah. And I think, you know, and that's where you kind of have to back, you got to take, you know, what, um, like intersecting God's character with other things that, you know, that you see. And I think that, when you look at the whole of what we would call God's story or, you know, scripture or even, you know, the, um, you know, I, me and you talked about this the other day, like the faithfulness of the martyrs and, you know, our martyrs, mm-hmm. like is suffer is Christianity the suffering religion? And is it only pure and good when suffering is around? Or when suffering is happening, um, and b- because what you just said um, that you know it was written by an oppressed people, and it was, um, and because you know Israel was always the little guy, you know, fighting against the big guys, and so. Um, but then you take that and you say, well, what about people like the Branch Davidians, <laughs> and like they were martyrs yeah. for what they believed, and you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. So being able to take all of that, but then looking at this, the, and I say this not as like a dogmatic thing, but like the strictness of God's character and what you believe about God 
affects all of this. So when you believe that God can do whatever the hell he wants and does whatever the hell he wants, whether that be hell at all or anything like that, then that means that somehow suffering, bad things, hell itself, um, God causing suffering so that, you know, I heard from um, on a show I was just watching, like, God takes away what you love so that he's all that you have. And I was like, ew, that's such a, (laughs) that's such a, a, and so like stuff like that. When you take all of that and you don't look to what we can know, which is what good is, what love is, because if God revealed himself in a way that we can't understand what those things are, then sure, we can go down the road of God can do whatever he wants, even though if he tells us not to do that thing, it's evil for us, but it's not evil for God. Um, that yep. we can look and say, okay, then God is the God of the oppressed. God is the God of suffering people. Not that God is causing that suffering, but that God is within the suffering, which is like, I told you I watched the movie Silence um, a couple weeks ago, yeah, and it was the first time I'd ever watched it. But I knew what it was about, and I knew that it was probably going to give me trouble in my soul. But <laughs> you knew it was going to fuck um, with me, but you did it. Anyway. I didn't know it was going to fuck with me the way that it did. To yeah. where, like, in the kind of monologue or the the noir thing of Andrew Garfield's character um, telling the story as it goes along, he's like, he says, "I don't know why God has chosen these people to suffer the way that they are, but." I envy their faith that they can go through all of this and still be faithful. And I'm like, is it was it really God that that chose them to suffer the way that they are so that you could learn to love him better? Yeah. And it's a really privileged, th- weird mindset to say things like that or, or to believe things like that. But right, it, but and it's that's like, it's where common, it's common for people to believe things yeah. like that, you know. And that's why I, you know, when I texted you, um, I, I um, gave you kind of that piece that I wrote. Um, I still love that piece. I think that was beautiful. Thanks. Like it's the like what you just said, the theological privilege of things. So you know, I used to believe that God told me to go on a short mission trip to Africa so that I could find out who he is or so that I could serve the least of these and everything like that. Yeah. When I went, and I really do, I really do believe that God showed me this, like that he is, or they, she, we, I just, I'm so used to using he that I'm still not in the place where I can figure out to say like what, pronouns whatever i like using god god self as like neo pronouns yeah. for god because it's like whatever gender we stick on god it's always wrong you know yeah and i just it it's it doesn't flow off the tongue the tongue as well <laughs> but anyway god that god showed me god's self in people that god was in people god is um in the suffering faces of people, in the crying faces of people, in the smiling faces of people. And these were people that were oppressed. They were in the slums. They were in the place where 
um, you know, they had heart conditions that they couldn't go to the hospital for, and it was probably going to kill them in the next couple months. But they were able to look at us. I remember this one girl. Um, she was probably nine years old. She looked at us and she said, why are you crying for me? I'm going to see my Jesus soon. Like, to be in a place of faith like that, but for me to take that back and say, how can I bolster my faith off of this? And for that to be the only reason that I went is absolutely something that I had to repent of. And to say, like, she can be an example for me, but the reason that I went on that trip and the reason that so many people go on short-term mission trips is for their benefit. And I think that theological privilege works the same way. It's fully bullshit, but we're also told that that's the reason why you go on short-term missions. I think the problem is because people have realized, oh, yeah, these don't actually help these communities at all. However, evangelicals love going on short-term missions. So they're like, okay, so then they're just for us then. And people are weirdly okay with that. Like, I I don't know. I hear that story, and I don't, I don't, and maybe this is also, it's just not my, it's not, I know it's not my place to forgive other people or whatever, but like, Mm -hmm. it's, I, I guess like, I hear what you say, and I don't hear you being bloodthirsty. I hear you believing someone else who told you that that was an okay thing to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And I was, you know, in ninth grade when that happened. So (laughs) it was, you know, not a place where I really knew what was going on. But, you know, even in that, like, (sighs) being able to look back on that and for what I learned to be something that is anti-privilege seeing God in the faces of the suffering and me being able to act accordingly. Um, that part was the part that is the good, noble, righteous mm, yeah. things to think on. And for that to be a precursor to where I'm at now, which is I can't believe in a God that would cause the suffering of the people in Ethiopia the way that they're suffering, just for him or God to meticulously show me that I need to go over there yeah, and to learn for myself something that will benefit me and give me more privilege theologically above what other people think. And that is where I'm at after watching that movie (laughs) because having a theological privilege is just like having a, you know, a gender privilege, gendered privilege or sexual privilege or racial privilege, you know, all of those things, because it means that my experience of God is right and everyone else's is below me. And beyond that, it's like also we're also so focused on. I hate this term, but I mean, it, it, its meaning is accurate. Christian supremacy and like, yeah, uh, the assumption that uh, our rel- religious or spiritual experience, because it's from a Christian background, is more valid or more real than anyone else's. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's like we just have a lot to unpack there. That's. Difficult, if not impossible, to do unless you're uh-huh. willing to kind of listen to people and look outside 
um, the approved reading, you know, that's, that's in evangelicalism. Um, and I, I think what's intriguing about when we're talking about suffering there, I, the thing, one thing that strikes me is that it's seen as, and I know this is a thing that's that's kind of in the Bible a lot as a whole. It's kind of a recurring theme, but it's seen as good to have faith, even when that faith doesn't actually like give you anything. I, I know that that sounds yeah. horrible in some senses, but like, I'm gonna be honest. I look back and I mourn for my past self, not not focusing on my own self preservation when I should have, when I instead mm. strengthened faith when I should have just tried to save myself. You know, like, I wish I had had less faith, you know, Mm. I wish I had not listened to the people I'd listened to. Um, I don't, I mean, it's not like I'm mad at myself for it, but it's just like, it's a morning and being like, man, I wish I would have walked out a little sooner of some things, you know? And I I think, so it's, it's almost like looking at that and seeing faith as always a net good, I I guess like my Mm -hmm. own becoming an adult, you know, I'm about to turn 25 here in July, you know, I'm feeling like I'm actually an adult adult now, not just like a pre-adult. I'm getting there, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but part of that like journey at least for me has been how can I how can I be the most honest with myself and how can I be living out what I think is true as best I can. And I know that's kind of right. always been a thing, but like um and I think we were discussing this recently, how it's like, I'm not really convinced of any kind of afterlife, but like, I don't uh-huh. really, but the thing is, I've, I've kind of felt that way for a while. It's always been like, you know what? Sleep forever sounds okay. I really like sleep. Um, not in a, not in a bad way. Don't worry. I'm okay. But, um, like, <laughs> but, but like, um, like I, I hear that and I hear when we're, when we're discussing that, like, I'm not really bothered by the fact that I'm not personally convinced of an afterlife. I think that that's okay. Uh, and when yeah. we're discussing other, topics like that like i want to be fully able to express the amount of faith i might have in a christian tradition or not and i think that that's strength to be able to moderate that and be honest with myself because like we've discussed belief isn't really always a thing you choose or a thing you do sometimes it's a thing that just kind of happens to you and you have to acknowledge Uh honestly where you're at on that spectrum um right so I guess I, I think about I, th- I think about silence, uh, which great name for the movie by the way. But oh yeah, but, but I think about that like that movie and what it's trying to say, and I think it's intriguing that the oh, they were Jesuits, right? Is that is that what they were? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, that the Jesuits are all. Uh, they will always discuss faith as a positive, even when it leads to someone's demise, and but and, and think about. I think, but think about times you had faith in someone you shouldn't have when you should have been more skeptical, whether it's, I don't know, a cheating partner or, yeah, right. yeah, but, or someone who didn't have your best interest in mind, uh, a cruel professor, even, you know, just like people that you trusted yeah. and then you shouldn't have, but you just, you chose to trust them anyway. And uh-huh. I, I guess, like, that question is when did, when, when does faith, when does faith stop working the way it's supposed to? Because faith is supposed mm-hmm. to be, maintaining trust in a trustworthy person and a trustworthy God, a trustworthy organization. But sometimes when people reveal to you, they are not worthy of that trust. The best, your best option is to revoke that faith, you know? Mm -hmm. I think, I think all of that is right. And I think, um, you know, the, 
that word faith. I, I preached a sermon a few couple months ago, maybe, about um, how faith is actually a verb. Yeah, and I like that. it's not a. Um, that goes out to my buddy Brandon. He's the one who kind of put that in my mind. Um, but that faith is more of the active piece of belief. And belief is not as important as faith. And that, so it, it's that whole faith without deeds is dead. And that's because faith is dead without yeah. deeds. So faith is an action. So it is not a dead faith to not believe in the dogmas that we are supposed to believe in. A dead faith is not acting upon the, not dogmas or beliefs, but not acting upon the pure religion that James talks about, which is helping orphans and widows, helping the least of these, helping the suffering. So having faith in God, having faith in a God, whether that be the Christian God, the Jewish Yahweh, the, you know, the whatever other insert religion here, whatever that God is, having faith in that God has nothing to do with whether you ascribe to the belief principles, but of the action principles of that religion. Hmm. So that's at least where, where I've come to in a lot of that which is like I, I I do need to believe in the creeds to be an orthodox Christian. But I don't have to do that to be a Christ follower. Hmm. So I I love and you know I got to bring him up Brad Jorzak. Um I love I the way it. that he writes in his books about how he has met Muslims who are Christ followers, but they cannot believe that Jesus is divine or the son of God because then they would not be a Muslim anymore. So to have the religious practice, which we also talked about being like, that's just a way to connect to the divine. Yep. And it's just the theatrics, the bells and whistles that cause you to have. It's a means of grace (laughs) as the Wesleyans would say. Yes. As the Wesleyans would say. Um, And so for, and I think that's why I love, you know, more of the, um, the less evangelical Protestants. So like the Episcopals, the Anglicans, um, a lot of them that I actually know, Mm -hmm. um, Presbyterians, um, at least the ones that I've connected to recently, they believe in the open table because it's a divine grace because we as humans cannot determine who receives divine grace and who doesn't. And so that is a faith of a God who is the God of the suffering, because the God of the suffering extends grace to all, not just the people who have believed the right things or checked off all the right dogmas or the creeds. And that those people can be Christ followers by also doing the same thing, having an open table, having 
the heart and the physical and the spiritual needs of the poor and the oppressed. So, I think where you're coming from with the, you don't believe in the afterlife. Okay, cool. That's fine. Mm -hmm. How are you treating people? Or, you know, we don't believe in like an, an anthropomorphic person of the father who is some dude with a beard up in the sky controlling things. We would more so believe you maybe in the pantheistic man, the panantheistic God, which is if God is omnipresent, then God is in all things. So all things are good. And so, but we can only say that good means good. So the good things. Hmm. So, you know, all of that to say, to think of that movie, to think of everything all at once, everything everywhere all at once. You, you got to go all see of those, it. It's so freaking good. <laughs> you got to go see it. Um, but to look at all of those things and say that my belief, my doctrine, my creed, my whatever is more important than what those things lead me to do Ooh, is fantastic. goofy. That's so good. That's where I'm at. No, I think that, <laughs> and I'm that still is a, a worship leader singing absolute truths when I might not actually think those truths are true, but they might be true in the moment. What's so funny is that um, it, what's yeah. What, what, we were just talking the other night. I was saying how it's like I'm not even sure. Like, a kind of day to day. Like, if I believe in God or not, it's like a daily thing. And like, what kind of God mm-hmm. I do believe in? Because it's kind of at a point where it's like I don't really. I don't really know, and I don't really care. Like, it's not really a thing. I, I've, I've kind of given up the fight of figuring it all out, but it's more just like I do know I still pray, you know. I and I'm mm-hmm. not, and I'm not going to stop praying. Um, I know the kind of God I would want to hear me, but I also know that even if there isn't a God at all, I think praying to something out there, whether that's something out there exists or not, is still good for me to some sense. And I and I. Um, yeah. And and I think what's so funny is as um just go going back and looking at all of the songs I wrote for Asbury Worship Collective, they were all leading here. Like you can you can mm-hmm. you can, you could trace a personal journey. God, that one, yeah, that one still gets me. <laughs> uh, there's a Dark Soul reference in that song. Um, none, none, nonetheless, but now they're. Yeah, yeah, that being that last one there and kind of acknowledging that it's like, hey, sometimes I don't believe in God some days, but I don't think that's really a problem. I'm still there. Like, I never mm-hmm. left being there. Uh, but I think right. that's kind of where it's, it's, it's kind of where I'm at. But but with, with within all of that, I, I guess, like, I'm no longer convinced. And that's one thing with the creeds that I like that um, that that your church is so committed to the creeds like that is your unifying principle. But I'm no longer mm-hmm. convinced that there is a unifying principle beyond some abstract concept of goodness that binds us all together. And I think that yeah. might be the Holy Spirit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, and I, I and yeah. You know, I was just gonna say, like you, you said, my church is committed to the creeds. I think we, as just being a Christian church, is, but not all of our people are, which is the good thing, you know? Interesting. That we get to. We get to, it's like we, we as a church, like leadership would probably affirm the creeds. Um, mm-hmm. 
But if one of us doesn't, it doesn't make our church any less of a place where someone who doesn't believe in the creeds, um, a, a place that isn't for them, you know? So like, I sometimes don't know what to do with the virgin birth. Um, I think it's true, but I also think that there's an, that's the least problematic one for me to deal with. It's like, I can just deal with the fact that <laughs> I can deal with the fact that some, some girl accidentally got zooted into pregnancy. Like I can deal with that. I, yeah. <laughs> Well, I I do I do wonder about like there's a lot of people who are like Mary didn't consent to this blah 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 and it's like well no she actually did if you read the gospels, um, but anyway um, I uh, I digress those are the people that make me mad about trying to but it's also uh, an insanely modernist lens to read a two thousand year old story through which exactly. I mean like we can make that argument I guess like you can you can do that reading that's the thing that it also okay this is this is a tangent for me because I was having a a handful of talks recently about whenever you read um, Greek mythology through specifically a very modernist lens of our sensibilities and stuff, you uh-huh. get completely different meanings of the intended meaning, which isn't bad. Oh, yeah. However, I think you also need to hold, how did people take this at the time? And how are people mm-hmm. reading this now? And what does it say about our cultures that we read this differently now? Yeah. And I think we can do the same thing with that story. However, we can't uh-huh. just ignore the uh, historical purpose or historical meaning of something as well. We have to hold right. both together and compare and contrast. We can't just say, yep. hey, because I don't agree with this thing that happened 2,000 years ago, I now finally have the real meaning. That's also a thing that evangelicalism and Protestantism as a whole does. We can just rewrite everything at the drop of a hat because we feel like it. So, And that's on theological privilege. Um, so, yeah, and I think that's actually really interesting that you brought that up because— um, my boy, David Bentley Hart, is um, like his whole shtick is he probably knows more about that era of Greek and Roman like um, philosophy and culture than most people. Um, that was like his area. Um, that and like Asia Minor countries. Um, and so he actually did a complete, um, translation of the new Testament and used common sayings and, and translations that would have made the most sense to those at that point. Um, and when I was listening to it, Jesus does actually sound like a cult leader. Yeah. It's cool. uncanny. Yeah? What, what like, do you mean? The way that so like and and he even says it in his foreword. He was like, you know, we see Jesus as this, you know, grand starter of a movement revolutionary, but there was a reason that he was killed and that's because he was telling people to leave their families, sell all their possessions and follow him wherever he went. Like, that's literally what a cult leader is. That is what he was about. (laughs) And so, you know, and then, of course, that's where we have to go back to what do we believe about Jesus's character and blah, blah, blah. And like, and that's what I was kind of telling you. Like, I can't believe in that T-ball daddy God anymore either that I kind of 182. That's just like the, 
oh, you're doing so good, son. Just keep trying. Like that type of God, because that's, that that's God what got Bethel into this either. mess that they're in right now. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, like, I still remember having a conversation with some other worship arts people back during my, uh, back during my, uh, cringe Pentecostal era. Um, mm. yeah, it was pretty cringe, but the one um, that got you we kicked out of Southeast. About, uh, God. But Southeast was not that Pentecostal. But South, Southeast, no. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, okay, that was an improvement over Southeast. I mean, Southeast was just a bad time for everybody. But yeah. um, as we talk about on the Hopefully Wandering podcast, dropping in the, the end, of, end of June, yeah, we're all a bunch of Southeast kids. But um, all that to say, uh, I, I was having a conversation with someone else who was, I think, also like in the worship arts program. We were talking about how do it again is profound because we sound like little kids telling their, their dad to do something really cool again. And I hear mm-hmm. that, and I, I think about that like once a week, and it keeps me up at night because <laughs> there are people who actually have problems, and then I was this white dipshit kid saying that and thinking that that's the most profound thing in the world. Like, oh my god, uh-huh. that makes me so mad at myself. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. But I just, I don't think we're supposed to look for the good things to come from the bad. I think we're supposed mm-hmm. to make good come from bad. There you go. Yeah. I, I, I don't think we're supposed to... I, I don't believe we are supposed to wait on God to fix things that mm. need fixed, you know? It's like when you're singing the song, do it again, and then God is like, okay, well, go do it then. Yeah, this is on you. Go for it. This is on you. This is... You know, you're asking me to do all of this stuff, and then you're not doing it when I give it to you right in your face. And I think that's so much of what we missed when we were growing up was at least for me, like my early years of, um, of ministry, it was always wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. And the Lord was like standing behind me. And he was like, Hey, um, now I'm waiting on you to come back to where I just was because you're still waiting on me, but you started walking past me. Come back. We need to do some things. Like, there's just this, and I even, there. she's wonderful, and I'm not going to say who it was, but there was someone who put a comment on one of my social medias when I was talking about um, what happened the past couple days ago, and she was like, you know, nothing's ever going to change until Jesus comes back. And I was like, what a horrible place to live in. It's just depressing. Like... If he doesn't come back for another million years, if that's the mindset we have, why do we even, why do we even, why are we even alive? Like, why, why aren't we like Nietzsche, who was like, oh, nothing matters, and then just go to a mentally insane hospital and end it all? (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I used to think about when I was uh, thinking that God was causing my suffering. I said, hey, if I just uh, kill myself, at least I'll be with God. So why not hurry it up? Those are literally the thoughts that I had. Yeah. And um, the tech, speaking of, oh, we have not spoken of Rachel, but if we were to speak of Rachel, I think about Rachel often. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel, my girlfriend, I love her. But uh, anyway, but she was the thing that kind of, oh, she's wonderful. You'll like her a lot. But when we were, was the other day, I was kind of asking, it's like, what, like, made you stop being a Christian? Because she's, she's left, she's left the fold, she's not into it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, I was like, what was the thing that stopped you there? And she said, 
it was when I realized if I killed myself, I would probably get to go to heaven faster. Wow. And it was her realizing that she's like, I don't know. It was her feeling like if there's a God out there, I don't think he values my life. And I thought that was a really intriguing thing that it was like, that's, in, in those own, are literally, that's literally verbatim. The thoughts that I had when yeah. I was and back in that day. That's when she was like, I knew my, my mind was healthier if I didn't think a God like that was real. So wow. that, that was kind of like her last, that was her last thing to be like, yeah, I don't think I really want to engage with this anymore mm-hmm. because I think it is actually bad for my mental health. Um, yeah. And I, I thought that was, I, I thought that was interesting because um, I remember having that same argument with a guy who I'm still friends with on um, Instagram. We still have fun little talks, but he was my, <laughs> she was my, he was my shift lead at Starbucks when I worked there in high school the first time. Uh, and that's because I was closed and I was worked with him. Uh, we'd always have uh, arguments because he was an atheist and I was still a very faithful Christian um, in high school mm-hmm. at the time. And I remember his, his thing was, he was like, hey, so Tom, do you believe that all um, aborted babies go to heaven? I was like, yeah, I do. And he was like, okay, cool. He's like, so why don't you want all babies to be aborted? That means every one of them goes to heaven. But if they get the chance to be born, they might not go to heaven anymore. And yeah. that's, that's a really funny question. That's a really funny question. because that's, that's a, it's, it's, You want to know what's interesting is the, uh, the leader of the, um, I call it a cult. People get mad at me when I do, but it was. Um, he would say, so why, he would actually ask the question, and I kind of revere him for this, but he would say, so then when we baptize people, why don't we go just take them out back and shoot them? <laughs> because then they just get to go to heaven. And he actually had a really good point. And it was because, well, his point was more on the evangelical side. Like, who's going to tell other people about Jesus if we do that? But for me, it was more of a, why wouldn't we want to be a part of the heaven on earth piece of this and be advocates for, you know, fixing things that God has told us to take care of, you know? So, and I think I love that. What Brad Jerzak says about it, he's a lot more of a, like a, the relational Christian. So he's like, yeah. why would I not want to tell people about my best friend who loves me more than life itself? Like, it's so funny. It's why like, would I, I not? I fully believe that he means that, but maybe I'm just so jaded. I just hear that and I'm like, talk yep. about it. Like, <laughs> I, just, yeah. I just get, I just, I get and shitty I do about too. it. I, I, I do too. Yeah. yeah and, but I think I, that's I watch the too much anime. Of, I'm angstier now. <laughs> I think that's what the beauty of it is, though, is like for him, his is a, for 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 him specifically, it's a lot more um, contemplative and meditative. Like he literally goes into his room, prays and sees Jesus's face in his mind like he can do that. He's able to do that. He's practiced it forever. Um, and then I think for other people, that's when they go over to their friend's house and have a beer. Yeah. And they see the face of Jesus in their friend or in a person that they're serving serving at the soup kitchen or the young girl in Ethiopia that I saw dying of a heart condition. Like, I I think that in a nutshell is what, what I think about the gospel now is less of it, 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 it isn't the 
you know, evangelical equation of recognize that you're a sinner, recognize that Jesus died for you, and then recognize that you have to go tell other people, and then we'll all see those people in heaven again. And if they don't accept it, then they're going to hell. Hmm. And I think it's more of a, if Jesus's kingdom, if God's kingdom is here on earth, then it doesn't matter if there's an afterlife, like you're saying. What matters is that we all took part in it now, and we see Jesus where he is on a daily basis, whether that be in our hearts, like for Brad Jerzak, or in our minds, or we see him physically in the people that are around us. And that's kind of that cosmic Christ thing that we've talked about too, which oh, yeah. Father Richard Rohr, you're never going to listen to this podcast, but thank you for all that you do. Um, what if he being did, able, though? And would he would, nice? he would, all, yeah, he... he he would also be firmly creedal. Which, I, I, I love old, you know, I love old Dickie um, Roar. What's so fun is that he's literally yep. still a part of the Catholic Church. He's not left. They haven't kicked him out yet. But he goes and speaks at like queer yep. Christian conferences to be like, yeah, we'll get there. Don't worry. Yeah. It's it's all good. We love you. Uh, God, the guy rocks. Yep, the best. Best. I guy. love him. But you know, he wouldn't go. He wouldn't go as far as like Gunger. You know, <laughs> um, but. Gunger shat his brains out a few years ago. The, We're okay. Yeah, he did. He's, yeah, he's gone. But I, I still love his music. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely gone. Um, but I, I just I, I think about that, and I say, just word like I said, where I'm at now is that stuff. This this theological train track that everyone tries to get on, and whether you veer off of it go a different direction, completely crash the train off of it. Whatever you do, it just kind of, the only thing that matters is the people sitting on the train with you and how you treat them and how you serve them as you're going along that train track. So I guess I just, uh, I mean, where I'm at, I'm still creedal. I still believe all of those things. Maybe not. I think I believe those things without the explanation of those things. Mm, interesting. Um, so, like, I th- and I think that's why there was no explanation put on the end of those faith statements, because they can lead to different places, and that's okay. But I just think that there has to be, at least in my life, for my journey, there has to be that bedrock. Um, because that's still where I am. But if it's not there forever, that doesn't matter because I'm mm. still going to strive to raise my daughter in a way where she never sees me as someone that she can't trust because she can't be herself around me. I like that. Or, you know, my wife, like, I may fuck up every single day and I still want her to be able to come to me and be herself and be the one that I love and be the one who loves me and be able to still be a good husband in the way that I serve her and in the way that I treat her and in the way that I listen to her and in the way that I try my best with her. And then, you know, this, and the intimate things as well. But even in um, my relationships, like, I'm still going to be the same minister as well. I want to be the same minister. Yeah. Even if the things that I'm singing 
are things that are still not something that I particularly am convinced of, but they are things that I can sing and say, okay, this is a language for what I am convinced of. So, hmm. that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess, like, where I end up with all of that is, is that, like, maybe just because I've been, I've had no theological grounding for years now. But, like, I, I think for me, <laughs> I, I've just found a lot of peace with knowing that Christianity and Christian spirituality just means a lot to me in a way that maybe mm-hmm. I just kind of stopped putting a label on, you know? And, and that's, that's right. been my own piece with it. And like, I just, I, I don't think I'm going to go to hell for being wrong or having my own thoughts on things. Um, mm-hmm. And I really like the ability to continue to wrestle with God, whatever that might mean. Um, yeah. As I keep learning more and as I keep having more questions um, but like, I think some people who might not be down with the Theo Bourbon way of thinking, uh, might hear that and just, <laughs> and just think it's like, ah, oh, Tom just sounds really angry at God, but it's like, I'm not angry at mm. God. I'm not really upset in general. If anything, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of done with being dishonest with myself. Um, however, I am... Mm-hmm. Nowhere near gone. I've not left the fold of anything. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm still very tuned in. If anything, I'm more tuned in than I used to be because I don't have to lie to myself. Because um, I, I don't do that anymore. So. It's impossible to be mad at a god that you don't believe in. Um, a lot of people don't believe that. Very, very interesting thing that people don't like to to believe that. But yeah, and I was just talking with my um, with my dad. I was I was visiting him recently, and I said, really, my issue isn't that. I have some big amount of belief or something, a lack of faith. It's like, I still tear up when I talk about faith stuff. It's like, whenever I talk about God stuff, <laughs> I always, it always makes me weepy. Always will. I think, um, cause there's still yeah. something about it that de- I deeply believe more than anything else. Um, mm-hmm. but the thing that I have an issue with and the reason why I think I have ended up the place that I am is that like, I need to be able to discuss those things that don't fit, that don't work. Um, and I, I think churches like, like the one you're at, I think, um, communities that are kind of coming out and being more willing to be very real about things are, that's how we get closer. That's how we get there Mm -hmm. to being able to talk about those things. And so there are not people, uh, who feel the way that I, to an extent, I I think also you do about this type of thing, you know? Yeah. Yep. But it's good to talk to you again about things in person and it well, is not in person, but over FaceTime. And, and next one's <laughs> going to be less depressing. We're going to have more fun things to talk about. I think we are also kind of fitting the uh, the tone of the last few weeks. I mean, between uh, overturning Roe v. Wade and the uh, the the violence that happened in Texas, I think a lot of people are kind of at this place of ultimately, what what do we do with the problem of evil? What do we do with um, what do we do? What do we do with our spirituality when we have a God who doesn't seem like he's trying to help things? And as you can see, there's no one answer. Uh, you can kind of pick your favorite and we can go from there. Um, but, but, but nonetheless, um, I think just kind of acknowledging that there's a whole community of people and many, many communities of people who feel that exact same way. 
and we're right. all uh, we're all doing our best and i think sticking up for each other and being there for each other is kind of what it's all about i think that that's literally where we end every time is everyone's just we're all just trying to do our best man that's <laughs> it but that's the that's what this podcast is about we're just trying to do our best over here <laughs> <laughs> well I love you, man, and we'll keep what we really will try to keep doing. Dude, we we, we had we had uh, a, we we're talking about making a schedule, uh, and this is also yep. the last Theo Bourbon episode that will be purely audio only. We're also going to be um, be transitioning to both an audio and a video podcast, so we'll still be uploading Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere like that. But we're also yes uh, going to be recording video as well. So if you'd rather look at our beautiful faces over Facetime. Uh, while, while we're uh, while we're talking, while we're doing our thing, you will now have that option. Um, yes, I, we could also. I mean, there's also a possibility of maybe streaming it, uh, Twitch, YouTube Live, whatever sounds good. Is it YouTube Live? Mm-hmm. What's it called? I'm not sure, but uh, we we could. Yeah, we we can talk about doing that. See if we have people who'd watch. If we don't have people who watch, that's okay too. But we can talk about making Tom, that kind of thing happen. I don't think we said what we were drinking today. I did. I did while you were gone and oh, uh, dang it. doing stuff with your kid. Um, well, stuff. Uh, your I, turn. What are you drinking? I have a Kentucky coffee that I just finished. That's so um, nice. Johnny Drum bourbon in a nice, nice cup of hot coffee. So, see, I've just been drinking some Maker's Neat. It's been delightful. Nice. Well, I love you, man. My computer is dying. So, all right. That's that's. <laughs> I love cue. you. Love you, buddy. And uh, we, we will do more. Roll the gosh dang metal.